Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. If you don't have a Bible, you have your Bible out, go ahead and pull that open. If you don't have neither one of those, it's okay. The words are going to be on the screen. If you're watching online, the words are going to be at the bottom of your screen. They're actually kind of like right here. I don't know if you guys watch online, but that's where they kind of sit right there. So they're right there. Today is Palm Sunday. It's a day of celebration. What are we doing not celebrating, right? This is a day of celebration. This is the day that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, rode into Jerusalem and was celebrated. This is his triumphal entry. This is a day that we take today to remember that day. That Jesus rode into my life, that Jesus rode into your life and saved you. How many of you guys remember the day that Jesus rode into your life and saved your soul? How many of you guys are excited this morning that that day occurred? How many of you guys are excited that it's still in effect, that it didn't change, right? There's so many things in our world that changes, but the fact that Jesus saves us, that's forever. Ask forever. So today we're celebrating that. We're going to celebrate all day. I'm just kidding. We'll be here for a minute, but we won't be here all day. Matthew chapter 21, uh, verses 1 through 9. And we'll read these real quick. I told somebody uh, the other day, and I told somebody this morning, look, this would be so much easier if we was all around a big table. You know, and we were just sitting around having a conversations. But when you line everybody up in rows and you put a pulpit and you put a podium and you throw lights on, this gets really crazy sometimes. So, so Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 9, we're going to read these real quick. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town and anybody know that word? Huh? You know, if we were in student ministry, I'd give you a piece of candy because you knew that word. But you know what? It ain't like that in student. Now, back in my day, a piece of candy would work. Now you have to give them like $200 gift card to, to Amazon and an Amazon Prime account. You know, you got to give them all candy just ain't enough no more for whatever reason. Thank you for whatever you said there. Um, on, the, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of them ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, eh, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. How cool is that? I think we could stop right there and preach a message on just reverence, obedience to whatever God says. The Lord needs it, all right, all right, what do you need, all right, just whatever, so we're, not doing, we're not going there today, but I think that'd be a great place to do that. This took place, verse 4, this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, 
your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Verse 6, the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw their garments over the colt, and they sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and the others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was the center. I think that would preach for a very long time. Jesus was the center of the procession. And the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you for giving us this moment in time. Father, it's not lost on me that you have carved out today and that you have purposed and you have intended it to be. That, God, this is not like any other day. This, this day will not be replicated or duplicated ever again. This is unique, and you have a unique purpose, and you have a unique intention for this day. God, day, today is special to you. And so, God, today we spend just a moment recognizing and reflecting on how special this day is to you because you could have come back last night. We could all be in a different place, but we're here. We have work to do. We have stuff to learn. We have places and areas in our lives that we need to grow. So I thank you, God, for giving us this moment, for giving us this space, for giving us this time, and for bringing us this word, and for giving us opportunity to learn to celebrate you. Father, today is your day. Every day is your day, but today we're living in this day, in this moment. This is your day, your moment, your minutes, your seconds. Do with them as you will. We give you full control. We love you, Father. Amen. Amen, amen. Be drinking a lot of water this morning. I apologize in advance for that. Listen, I, I am um, not very good with transitions, right? So when you're trying to transition from one thing to another, I'm not very good at that. Actually, it's kind of like that movie. How many of you guys seen Talladega Nights? Yeah, you don't want to be honest, do you? Ah, uh, you know, you all watch Ricky Bobby, right? So, so in the movie Talladega Nights, there's a scene. He says, uh, "I don't really know what to do with my hands right now." Right? So, when it when it comes to transitions, that's what it feels like to me. I don't really know what to do, and so I make them really obvious that I don't know what I'm doing, and I really make them painfully awkward for the people that are listening. All right. So my transitions go stuff like this: Batman. Pretty random, huh? Batman. Do you know that Batman was my boyhood hero? He was. How many of you guys liked Batman? What are some of your other superheroes? I see there's not a whole lot of hands. There's some, which we need to start a fan club if we can, because I've been dying to be a part of a fan club that could explain some stuff to me. But, but what are some other ones that you like? Superman. What? Wonder Woman. Hulk. Man, we got a lot. I don't want to start a rumble, but if we could separate size DC on one side and no, I'm just kidding. No, so, so we all have we all have these superheroes, right? Well, Batman was mine, and he stood and he still is because he he turned a tragedy of his mom and dad getting killed senselessly 
into the, the finest Cape Crusader that there ever was, right? He, he had no superpowers, right? Superman, I'm not going to start dissing on everybody else, but he had no superpowers. All he had was a whole lot of money. And, and he's a lot different from me because if I came into a whole lot of money, what he did and what I did would be completely different. Amen. I, I, they'll be honest. He, he had all this money and what he did, he toned his mind and he toned his body in becoming a, a, a vigilante uh, against crime in Gotham City. Oh, I love Batman. I love that guy. He was so awesome. And, 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 and like, uh, like other superheroes I liked, but he was the best. Like I own, like seriously, I own all the movies. Like I own every Batman movie. I own every Dark Knight Rises movies. Uh, some of you guys are, are in here that are old enough to know. You've seen the originals. I've I seen the TV show from the 60s, right? And I love those things. I own every one of them, and I can watch them over and over and over again. You know, the other day um, uh, or a few years ago, I ran across this picture right here. Let's put this picture up. Y'all see that? How many guys have ever seen this picture before? So you, you, got, you got Batman, the greatest one ever, sitting over there. I guess it'd be to your left. And you got all the other ones, Spider-Man, hanging there for some reason like that. But then you see Jesus right in the middle, right? What does he say? And that's how I saved the world. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? Listen, I'm sure all of us would agree that this world needs saving. We, we live in some, some pretty interesting times, don't we? I mean, it, it seems like the entire world now is kind of looking, searching, hoping, holding out for a hero to come and save them from something. We right here in this room spend our daily lives and we're looking for a hero to come. So today's message is called Hero. It's called Hero. And we've got a really special treat for you this morning. We have one of our very own students, Anthony. He's going to come up here and he is going to share a poem with you on this very topic. And I'm so, Anthony, you can come on up. I'm so stoked about this opportunity. Y'all give a hand for Anthony. You know, it's hard for an adult to stand up here and do this. And I don't know if it's harder for a kid or easier because sometimes they just don't care, right? So sometimes I wish I was more like them than they would be like me. But uh, here you go, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Hero. What's the real definition? Is it really just a four-letter word? Does it come in boxes, shapes, and sizes? Could it really be me and you? There's no words inside me. The only thing I see is the light above me. And is there anything I can do? And speaking of the truth, is there really a hero in you? And the pain that you see could never be shared with anybody but me and you? But as the sky turns blue, the words that I've shared becomes more at risk because I really don't believe you. They say the, the only person you could believe is you. Because the world's so cold, your heart comes stone, tears turn into blood as they dry out on the floor. They say somebody can save you, and yes, I know his name. He lives in the sky, and it starts with an H. What's the real definition? 
Well, I really don't know. But my hero's God, and my world is no longer cold. Thank you, bro. How awesome, huh? How awesome. Thank you, Anthony, for sharing that this morning. Hey, do y'all know who Bonnie Tyler is when I say that name? How many rockers we got in the house today, right? Don't, I know y'all don't want to admit it, right? Right? We're all saved. We're all sanctified. We're all listen. We, we all got that, that little bit of something inside of us. She wrote a song, Holding Out for a Hero. Y'all remember that song? You know it, right? Where have all the good men gone? Amen. Oh, I'm just kidding. Where are all the gods? Where, where's the streetwise Hercules to fight against the odds? Isn't there a white knight upon a fiery steed? Late at night, I toss and turn, and I dream of what I need. Sing it if you know it. I need a, oh, yeah, holding out for what? A hero to the end of the night, right? And he's got to be, and he's got to be, and he's got to be fresh from the fight, right? Hero, hero. What a song, and it's so true. You know, from the time we're born to the time that we die, we're always crying out for a hero to come. When we're babies, we, we cry relentlessly sometimes about stuff we don't even know. We can't figure it out as parents. But they cry, and they cry, and they cry, and then they fall asleep, and then they wake up, and they cry, and they cry. I'm not speaking from experience. I'm just saying they cry, and they cry. And you're rocking them at 4 o'clock in the morning in a, in, a, in a rocker, and there's a window behind you, and you want to slide it up and just toss that baby, slide that, crying and crying and crying, right? Always crying. But they're always crying. They need us to clean them, right? They need us to feed them. They need us to hold them. They need us to reassure them that everything's going to be okay, right? And as we grow up to be children, you know, we cry out in the middle of the night for mom and dad or grandparents, aunts and uncles, brothers, sisters, whatever, to come and save us from the imaginary monsters that are hiding in our closets, that are under our beds, that's making those weird noises at night. You know how your house does that. I don't know why it does that, but it still does that. They, they we're crying out for that, and as adults, we cry out for, for elected officials, right, to come and secure our borders to come fix our economy, to come help us live out our American dream. Always searching, always looking, always crying out for a hero. On the spiritual side of things, we can't save ourselves. We can't heal ourselves. We can't deliver ourselves. We can't take those chains that bind us and break them ourselves. We can't take that generational curse that has followed us and break it ourselves. We can't take the hold that fear has on us, that bitterness has over us, that anxiety and worry and stress and lust and hatred and all of that stuff. We can't take that thing that has that hold on us and break it. We need a hero. We need a hero. And 2,000 years may separate me and you from the people that we read about in Matthew chapter 21, but look, we're no different. We're no different. They were looking for a hero. We are looking for a hero. And, and on this first Palm Sunday, what is a hero? 
what is it to you? What is it to me? What are the things? We all have these different imaginations that pop up in our mind when we start talking about a hero. Is it a white knight on a fiery steed that Bonnie Tyler wrote about? Is it, is it an athlete? Is it a politician? Is it a, a movie star? Is it Batman? Right? What are, what are the things that keep coming up? We, why, why do we even need a hero today? What are we looking to be saved from today? Why do we need that? Taking a look back at the Israelites that we read about in Matthew uh, 21, you know, in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God had told them, look, I, I, you're going to go into exile if you break your covenant with me. You're going to have to go spend your life serving somebody else if you break your covenant with me. And they're just like us. Because you know what they did? They broke the covenant with God. And guess where they went? Right into exile like God told them to. The, the northern part the, uh, of Israel, they went in, they, they fell prey to Assyria in 755 B.C. or 722 B.C. And, 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 the, nor, and the, southern, um, uh, it, the southern part of Judah, they fell prey to Babylon, uh, to Babylon in 605 B.C. The Israelites were under control. They, 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 are, they are under control. At first they were under control to the Babylonians, then the Persians and the Greeks. And now that we see them in Matthew 21, they're under control of Rome. Under, still in exile, still under control of Romans. Uh, and that's where we see this, this parade that's coming through, this triumphal entry of Jesus coming through. And, and, and as they lined that street that day, they were looking for a hero. They were looking for someone to come and take them out of exile. That was the most important thing to them. They, they needed to go back. They needed to be free, and they needed a deliverer to come. The dream of, of them being liberated is what drove their actions that day. That's what drove their words. That they, We just sang about it, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. It drove their words because they were dreaming of this moment that Jesus would come. You know, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all record the triumphal entry. And, and it's all got a different slant, a different perspective, because, because each person sees things differently, right? We can all have the same experience, but we kind of take away something differently, and so they all wrote about it differently. But while, while their perspectives are different, the reason why this triumphal entry was happening, the backdrop up to this triumphal entry that was taking place is all the same. And we see that in Psalms 118. Uh, somebody needs to answer your phone. Might be God calling. This backdrop is Psalms 118. The event that we continue to celebrate today as Palm Sundays is found in Psalms 118. And if you can bear with me, I would love for us to see these verses that are so important. Is that okay? If that, is that okay that on Palm Sunday we see why this is Palm Sunday? If we figure out what this is. So if we can, yep, all 29 verses we want to look at real quick. And I know this may be hard for some. But listen, I promise you it's going to be well worth it. Psalms 118. You can turn there. It will be on your screen. Whatever you need to do. This is the backdrop of this important day that we're experiencing today. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. 
His faithful love endures forever. This is the foundation of why this psalm is so important. Why it's so important for them back then and so important for us today is to remember that his faithful love, it endures forever. Let all Israel, verse 2, let all Israel repeat his faithful love endures forever. Let all, verse 3, let all Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat his faithful love endures forever. Let all, verse 4, let all who hear or fear the Lord repeat. What does it say? Do you think he's wanting us to see something? Maybe wanting us to understand something. Maybe, maybe wanting us to just kind of figure out something here. Listen, no matter what you face, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter the circumstances that you find yourself in, you can rest assured one thing never changes, and it's the faithful love of our Father endures forever. This world will pass away, but His love will endure forever. People will come in your life and will leave your life, but His faithful love will endure forever. Circumstances in your life will, well, they have this, this way of rotating around. There's good moments, bad moments, good moments, bad moments. Good, they come and they go, they come and they go, but guess what? The Father's faithful love endures forever, forever. Let's keep going, let's keep going. You see? I mean, we're already excited about just verses 1 through 5, right? Or 1 through 4. Verse 5. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me, and he set me free. Don't, don't run past it. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord. The Lord answered me, and he set me free. A second part of why this psalm is so important to them back then and to us today is not only does his faithful love endure forever, but when you call to him, hey, when you call to him, he answers and he sets us free. He answers. I don't know. that I, I, I feel like somebody in this room this morning, this is your verse. I do, and I hope that you're paying attention, I hope you're listening, I hope you're, you're watching it because this is, this is your verse. Maybe it's somebody online, but in my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. It might not be right now, right? We, we live in a microwave world. God doesn't. God's been around forever. Ain't, ain't nothing bothering him. Ain't nothing pushing him, rushing him. His time is his time. It's his time. It's his time, right? Hey, we cannot badger God enough. You know, like kids, when they badger mom and dad, please, 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 we're like, yes, shut up, you know, go away. God ain't like that. He's like, it's my time. This is my time. This is my time. But what I can promise you is that I hear you. And because I hear you, what I can promise you is that I will answer you. And I will set you free. Just rest in that. Can't that be enough? Can't that be enough? that you know he hears you, that he's going to answer you, and that he's going to set you free. Can that not just be enough for us? Sometimes we don't, do we? Verse 6, the Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look and triumph on those who hate me. 
Here we see another reason, the third reason. Not only does his faithful love endure forever, not only does he hear us and answers us and sets us free, but he breaks the power of fear off of our life. He breaks the power of fear off of our lives. Verse 8, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Amen? Amen. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in people. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes, right, presidents, kings, you know, mayors, you know, governors, mom, dad. It's better to take refuge in God than princes. Fourth reason, not only does his faithful love endure forever, not only does he promise to to hear and to answer us and to set us free, not only does he break the spirit of fear off of our life, but he becomes a place of refuge that we can run to in this crazy, jacked up, messed up world. That that we can put our trust in him. Verse 10, though hostile nations surround me, I destroy them all with what? What does it say? All right. Yes, they surrounded and attacked me, but I destroyed them all with what? They swarmed around me like bees. They blazed against me like crackling fire, but I destroyed them all with what? Huh? My enemies did their best to kill me, but the Lord rescued me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. The strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. The Lord has punished him. Punished me severely, but he did not let me die. Fifth reason why this psalm is so important. Not only does his faithful love endure forever, right? Not only does he hear and does he answer us and break that, that, that thing off of us. Not, not only uh, does, he, does he destroy fear in our life. Not only is he a place of refuge, but it's under his authority that we have victory in every area of our life. Are y'all seeing what I'm seeing? I tell you what, when I began to look at this psalm, I thought, no wonder. No wonder these people, this is the backdrop for all that has been taking place. And then look, they, they finish it up as we all should do. And what we're going to do in a little bit, giving thanks to God. Look at verse 19 through the rest of it. Open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. Look, he didn't say open the gates and I might go in, or I'll stand there and I'll look, you know, or I'll send mom and dad on in there, or I'll do this. He said, no, I'll go in. I'll go in. Look, this psalm is personal. Your God is personal. Jesus is your Savior. Jesus deserves your worship. Listen, I know what God saved me from. I can't spend my time worshiping him for what he saved you from. 
That's your job. That's your job. Now, if he had never done nothing for you, then that's fine. Stand there at the gates of the temple and don't worship. But if he's done something, you go in and you worship. I think that I think we're hearing something. It's time. It's time for us to praise. It's time for us to go into the temple and give God our very best praise. We've sat around too long, right? We, we, we want to worship. And we're good with that. But when it comes to praising, when it comes to lifting our hands, when it comes to dancing before the Lord, when it comes to shouting and giving him praise, we lose those moments. We, we, we want to just run past that because it takes more of you. And we're willing to give God a lot, but I just don't know about this thing called praise. But this is Palm Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate. And if we don't do nothing else today, we're going to celebrate. We're going to push past our little comfort zones, and we're going to celebrate today because Jesus deserves it. Not because you're not embarrassed anymore, not because it's uncomfortable or not uncomfortable, but because he deserves it. Because he deserves it. All right, I'll stop. Verse 20. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. The stone that the builder rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, and we will be glad in it. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords to, on the altar. You are my God. You are my God. And I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. What? His faithful love endures forever. If there was ever a moment in the middle of a service to stop and give a praise break, right now is that moment. Right now is that moment. We should all go rejoicing. All go rejoicing. Look, his love endures forever. Amen. We hear, he hears our call and he goes and he answers us and he sets us free. He breaks the power of fear off of our life. He becomes a refuge for us in this crazy jacked up world. It's him. He's the one. It's under his authority that you get all victory. It's him. It's him. It's not about anybody else. It's him. Pastor John can't do this for you. Mom and dad can't do this for you. It's you. It's Jesus. And y'all together have all the authority that you need to have a free life. You do. I can see why this psalm was so important on that Palm Sunday and why it's so important to us right here, right now. Back then, the Israelites sang that psalm as they marched uh, every April and every March to the temple. When, when they were, uh, when they, prior to getting 
into Babylonian exile, their king would come marching through the city down to the temple some from time to time. And when he did that, they would sing and recite the song as he did that. And, and then when he got to the temple gates, the, the priests were, were expected to meet him at the gates with praise. With praise. That's what's happening right here in Psalms 21 that we just read about. The, the palm branches symbolize victory and hope for deliverance. The donkey itself symbolizes humility and gentleness. The fact that, it, that no one else had ever rode on that donkey at all symbolizes how pure and how holy our Savior is. The fact that, 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 that some that were lining the streets that day were, were throwing their, their coats down and, and putting their palm branches down was kind of like sending up a back signal. I always go back, right? It's kind of like sending up that back signal, back signal. Hosanna, save us. Save us. Some of them, some of them that it was kind of like rolling out a red carpet. You know, God, God, praise God, he's here. Hosanna, Hosanna in, 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 the, in the highest. The effects on that city that day, in the city of Jerusalem, if you, can, if you can go there in your imagination, the effects on that city are probably way understated in our Bibles. This was a really big deal. And it was a really big deal for a whole lot of reasons. Because it wasn't, it wasn't just about the people that were lying in the street. There were other people there that day. I don't know if you've even thought about this. My mind wanders sometimes. There were Romans, regular, everyday Romans in that city. Just going about their day, doing their Roman thing. Right? Probably looking at the parade. Not but just doing their Roman thing. There's probably Roman soldiers around trying to keep everybody separated, trying to keep everybody safe. There were probably priests around. Some of them were in the temple, and we know that later. But there were other priests around, just kind of onlookers as to what was going on. I bet there was a stinking thief there. While people were getting distracted by the parade that was coming through the town and Jesus riding on a donkey, I bet they were pickpocketing. I bet they were stealing. I bet they were doing what thieves do, Right? You ever thought about that? Bet it was going on at the same time. City officials were there doing their parade thing because they always have to look parady, you know. That's what city officials do. Gatekeepers there not trying to get distracted, but trying to keep watch on the city gate, make sure everybody's protected. What about innkeepers? I bet these guys were stoked. There's a lot of people in town. We're going to make some money today, right? They ain't got nowhere to stay. They're going to stay with us out there with that guy flipping the sign around, you know, pointing right here, come right here, stay right here. Just all kind of people, right? All kind of people doing all kind of things. You know, and I got to, I got to thinking about one particular person in, in general, and that's the Roman soldier. The Roman soldier sitting there, and I kind of started feeling sorry for the guy. Started feeling sorry for the guy. I, I bet he was a little less than impressed when he saw Jesus rode into town. To him, this was just an Israelite riding on a donkey while other Israelites put down stuff in front of him. A lot to do about nothing to him, right? I mean, this guy didn't know Zechariah 9.9. He didn't know that. He, he, he didn't have the connection to Isaiah 62 and 11. He had never heard of Genesis 49 and 10 and 11. 
This poor guy's just standing there. He had seen parades, but it was like Caesars and generals riding through on horses, beautiful horses full of pageantry. Now here's this dude on a donkey, and and not a very good one at that. I mean, nobody had ever ridden. I can imagine that donkey kind of stumbling around. Like I mean, if somebody got on your back for the first time, right, you'd just kind of stumble around. I mean, this was real life. This isn't a story. Things happen, right? Things happen in this city where all of this is going on. And, and, and I'm sure the sentiment was shared uh, with, with a lot of people in that room. But can I tell you, like that Roman soldier, like those Romans that were doing their Roman thing, like, like those city officials and those thieves and those gatekeepers and those innkeepers, Kind of, kind of like those priests. Kind of like the people of Gotham City. Kind of like what Bonnie Tyler dreamed about. The heroes that we think we need aren't always the heroes that we need. Those heroes that we dream of, that we, that we build up in our imagination, a lot of times are not the real heroes that we need. The hero uh, needed on that day doesn't resemble Batman or all of his other superhero friends. He doesn't do that. The hero that was needed that day and today doesn't resemble a, a, a Roman soldier. It doesn't resemble a, a regular Roman. It doesn't resemble a priest. It doesn't resemble a gatekeeper or an innkeeper. It doesn't resemble an athlete. It doesn't resemble a movie star. It doesn't resemble a white knight sitting on a fiery steed. It doesn't resemble all of that. The real hero that's needed today deals with physical needs, yes, but the real hero that's needed then and needed today pushes past all the physical things that we need and gets to the real issues that lie underneath. A lot of times the hero that we think we need is not really the hero that we need. A lot of times we see the physical stuff and we think, God, deliver me from this or heal me from this or whatever, but God says, oh, there's something else down inside of there that I need to deal with. Real heroes aren't, aren't just things that we think we need. They push past all of the, the stuff that we are. They push past our social issues. They push past all the, the economic status that we find ourselves in throughout our lives. It pushes past all of that. And to be honest with you, this is where I get excited in this story. Because in the middle of all of that, in the middle of, of the people laying down the palm branches, in the middle of Roman soldiers trying to keep everybody apart, in the middle of regular Romans going through their day-to-day -day life, in the middle of a gatekeeper trying to stay focused, in the middle of an innkeeper looking to make some money, in rides Jesus. In the middle of all this stuff, in rides Jesus. Jesus. And people, the, the, the Bible tells us people begin to obviously talk. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? And the Bible tells us that, that they say this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, does it? Some of them call him the son of David. A lot of those people lining the street that day they have been through this before. Israel has over and over and over again paraded prophets down the city streets. 
They have celebrated kings. And they have celebrated all kind of people. This is, this is not something that was unfamiliar to them. Some of them were just going through the motions, thinking that this Jesus is just like everybody else. Sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? We meet Jesus. He saves us. And then we start going through our lives as if Jesus is just somebody we know. We, we meet Jesus and we act like it's just somebody else that we need to add to our life. When we feel bad that we can talk to. That when we feel bad or that we have an element we can pray to with the expectation that he's going to do everything that we ask him to, even though we might not care in our normal routine, day-to-day life about him. Sounds a lot like us. But can I tell you, Jesus is something far more. That day and 2,000 years later today, is far different than what we could think or imagine. And that's, listen, this is why I love Matthew's account. Read all the other ones, please. But this is why I love Matthew's account on this first Palm Sunday because it doesn't end just inside the city. If you keep reading through Matthew's account, it goes all the way down to the temple. And that excites me. That excites me. I, I, I Probably you guys already know where we're headed, some of you guys that know the story, right? So he goes all the way down to the temple. And, and, and though the priests were at the temple that day, when Jesus got to the temple, they did not rush out to meet him with praise. As a matter of fact, they didn't even come out at all. This is Jesus. It was nothing to them. Just another prophet, just another son of David, just another whatever riding through town. I'm not going to They were busy turning God's house from a house of praise into something completely different. Something completely different. So when Jesus got to the temple, <laughs> the priests were not at all happy to see him. They were not at all happy to see him. They, as a matter of fact, they were indignant when he got there because Jesus did some stuff. He stormed in to their temple, and he started turning over tables. Huh? Yeah. He started turning over tables. He accused them of making his father's house, his daddy's haven, to a den of thieves. They were not at all happy to see them, see him walk into their sacred sanctum. Not at happy at all. How many guys would have liked to have seen that? Wouldn't that be cool? I hope... You know, we talk about this sometimes. I hope in, in heaven that we can push pause on praise just for a second and let Jesus play a reel. You know, of everything that kind of took, took place, that happened, I want to see how you did that. I want to see what you did there. I want, you to, I want to see what you said to your disciples that we don't read about. You know, what, what all those conversations you had, that they were willing to give up their life for you, because there's more conversations that took place than what we read about. There's more. I mean, the dude lived 32 years, right? There was a lot more stuff. Let's just play a reel. Let's just let's figure that out. Anyway, Corey, you can come on. But this is why I love reading this account each year, Matthew 21. And this is why it's still important to talk about this account year after year after year after year. 
because there were other people present that day. This wasn't just about the priest. It wasn't just about the Roman soldiers. It wasn't just about the gatekeepers and the innkeepers and, and everything that was happening that day. This wasn't about the thieves. You see, there were other there. There were blind people in the temple that day. There were broken people in the temple that day. People like you and me were there in that temple that day. People who needed physical healing, but also people who needed mental healing, people who needed spiritual healing, people who needed emotional healing, people who needed deliverance, people who needed their chains broken off of their life, people who were dealing with generational curses, they needed that broken, people that were dealing with anxiety, people that were dealing with fear, people that were dealing with doubt and hatred and lust and bitterness and all this kind of stuff, and they needed it broken. They were sitting in the temple. I am thankful Jesus didn't stop in the city, but he drove all the way down to the temple. And guess what? When those people were there, guess what Jesus did? He healed them all. Could you imagine not being one of the blind people at the temple that day? Because inside the temple, they all got healed. In the temple, they found their real hero. Jesus healed them right there in the middle of the temple. He transformed that den of thieves back into a house of praise. He, he, he turned it. He, he was their hero today. And far more than from deliverance from exile, he pushed past what they expected, and he did so much more. He did so much more. And can I tell you that I am so excited that Jesus didn't stop in the city, but that he pushed his way down to the temple. And can I tell you that, 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 that he didn't just stop there, but he walked himself up a lowly road to Calvary. And I'm so thankful that he did that today because, can I tell you why? Because that's my testimony. That's my testimony. I was blind. Hey, I was broken. My soul was a refuge for one of the evilest thieves ever to live that only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. My heart was a haven for bad habits. You know, for bitterness and hatred and lust. It's all right there in my heart. But Jesus didn't stop in the city. He came to the temple. Jesus came and he cleansed and he restored me. Can you say the same? Oh, I don't know. That wasn't a very good. I was blind and I was broken. But I stand here this morning able to see. And I am in the process of being made whole. Are you? I was lost, but now I'm found. Huh? I, I, <laughs> I was sick, but now I'm healed. Can you say the same thing? Can you say the same thing? I was bound, 
but now I'm free. I was cursed, but now I'm blessed. I was once held captive by fear and anxiety from doubt and worry and bitterness and hatred and lust, but not today. No, 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 not today. Not today because I met my real hero. Did you meet your real hero? How can you sit there if you've met your real hero? Let's all stand and let's all begin to worship our real hero who broke you the chains free, those, those, those generational curses that bind us. Guess what? You're free today. You're free today. You're free today. How are you going to act? How are you going to act knowing that you're free today? Are you grateful? Does it matter to you? Oh, man, we should be the most grateful people on the planet because he did the most for me and for you. He did the most for me and you. Look, this is not like me. This is not like me, but but look, Batman's not my hero. Listen, an athlete is not my hero. I love sports. I watch sports all the time. An athlete is not my hero. A politician is not my hero. I hope they do well, but if they don't, my refuge is in Jesus. My refuge is in Jesus. These people are not real heroes. Jesus is our real hero. Look, as as I was prepping and kind of getting things ready, and I can't remember the last time I opened up a hymn book. I can't even remember the last time I seen a hymn book. We just don't have those around here, but I think we should because there's some really good stuff in there. Right? So so this this song, I ran across this song. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to share it with you. I don't know if some of you guys have ever heard it. It says, since Jesus came into my heart. How many of you guys have ever heard that old hymn? Since Jesus, oh, since Jesus came into my heart. Listen to the words. Listen to the words. And then we're about to we're about to praise our God with these exact words. All right? Y'all ready? What a wonderful change. And my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Not an athlete, not Batman, not not Jesus, right? I have ceased from my wanderings and my goings astray since Jesus came into my heart. And my sins, which were many, are all washed away since Jesus came into my heart. Oh, and I love the last verse. And they always sometimes save the last verse, the best verse for last, right? Oh, I shall go there to dwell in that city I know since Jesus came into my heart and happy. Oh, so happy onward I go since Jesus came into my heart. Hey, Jesus is the real hero. Jesus is the one we should be worshiping and praising all day today. So look, let me tell you, these altars are always open, right? We don't ever shut down these altars. You're welcome to come. You're welcome to pray. You're welcome to come lay everything down at this altar that you need. But we're about to praise. We're about to sing this song. Since Jesus came into my heart. When we get done, we'll be dismissed together. I'm fisting to pray. If you need to come and pray, come pray. We got people that want to pray with you. Look, if you're sitting in this room and you can't say, since Jesus came into my heart, today's a perfect day for you to come to this altar and be able to say, 
since Jesus came into my heart. Let's pray. Father, today I thank you and I praise you for this moment and time together. I thank you for the word that you brought. I thank you for Psalms 118. I thank you for all the promises that you made on that first Palm Sunday over 2,000 years ago. And I thank you that it didn't stop then, that it keeps trickling down to today. God, I thank you that you didn't stop in the city of Jerusalem, but that you made yourself available to the people in the temple, people like me. God, I thank you that you found me. Jesus, I thank you that you found me over 30 years ago where I was blind and where I was broken and you begin to give me light. You begin to give me sight. You begin to make me whole, God. I I, I thank you, God, that you found me in this pit of of hatred, this pit of lust, this pit of anxiety, this pit of fear. And God, you rescued me. Thank you, Jesus, that my life is different since you came into my heart. And God, may I not take another Palm Sunday or any other day for granted because you are my hero. And I want to say thank you for saving me. We honor you today. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.